Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very senior and accomplished coach uh, from the US, Alisa Kohn. Alisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Alisa is a C-suite executive coach. She's in the top 100 leadership speakers uh, in the US and the world, probably. She's a top startup coach in the world, a number one global guru for startups. And as all of you know, I'm very partial to authors. She's the author of a forthcoming book titled From Startup to Grown Up. So Alisa, let's talk about coaching first. Yeah. Um, you work with C-suite leaders. What is the difference between coaching a C-suite leader and an emerging leader? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think the difference is scope and scale. So when I'm coaching a C-suite leader, what that means is think about the impact that they have in the organization all around them through their leaders, mm -hmm. through their leaders and also really by their own presence in terms of the way they show up in the company. Mm -hmm. When I'm coaching an emerging leader, the impact is more immediate on this person, helping this person grow their leadership more quickly so their leadership trajectory is steeper. But their impact tends to be just less because of scope and scale because they just have less uh, sort of scale inside of the organization. Okay. And uh, a question that I am often asked when I coach uh, a few uh, CEOs is, at what stage of my life should I look for a coach? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, as a coach, I would say it's never too early to have a coach. I guess I would say this. Coaches are effective when I step back and think about the domain of coaching, it's really about this, mm -hmm. helping you establish where are you, where are you going, and how are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. So if you are in the swim, in the thinking system of thinking about how am I going to fast forward my impact? How am I going to fast forward my development? How am I going to in, uh, fast forward my ability to make a difference? That is a great time to hire a coach. If you're at an inflection point, that's a great time to hire a coach. And certainly, if you are ascending into a new leadership role, especially if it's a stretch for you, that's a great time to hire a coach. Fabulous. And uh, how long should a coaching association be for? Well, you know, it depends. I think it depends because people use coaches for different reasons. So some of my clients, we have a specific sort of, you know, move it. Like one, one um, CEO I just worked with, he wanted to help get help onboarding himself as the CEO in the company that he had just been a very senior leader in. Mm -hmm. There had been three people in line for the CEO. My client was chosen to be the CEO. And then we did a six month piece of work to help him really onboard himself and then handle the fact that two of his peers did not get that job. It was a very contained piece. Other clients that I work with and, other, and certainly other coaches work with, it's like an ongoing sounding board, especially in startups. If you think about high growth leadership and the need to constantly evolve and constantly adapt, it's actually very helpful to have a partner, a guide, a coach, and a sounding board to help you grow very rapidly. Wonderful. And a, a question I'm often asked is that, uh, how does one or a coachee evaluate whether my coach is good? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think there are three ways to think about it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, first of all, you have an internal experience. That is data, that you have an internal experience of, I know that I'm able to do things more easily. I know that I'm able to build my capacity more quickly and activate way, in ways that I wasn't able to. That's an internal state. The second is other people experiencing you differently. And you can see they're reacting differently and you can see decisions are being made more um, let's say more quickly, things are flowing more quickly through your span of work. And then the third way, this does happen sometimes, is you get spontaneous uh, comments from people who say, boy, you really changed a lot, Really, you've really improved. So in those ways, I think that's helpful to evaluate your progress, which is a way to evaluate your coach. Mm -hmm. But I will also say this, you know, you as the person growing mm -hmm. are the person that you really want to focus on. The truth is that like, a lot of coaches can help you if you're willing, ready, willing, and able to change. Mm -hmm. And so that's the key marker. How comfortable are you and able are you to quickly change? Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting segue to my next question, which is that if a coachee is not changing, yeah, I have walked away from uh, some assignments because I said that there's mutuality in a relationship. Yeah. My question to you, Alisa, is what do you look for in a coachee before you accept her or him? Yes. Good question. I look for um, a sense. So what I do when I sit down with somebody for the first time is what I normally say is, listen, I'm sure that what you're wondering is what's it like to do coaching with Alyssa? Mm -hmm. So the way to do that is do a little piece of coaching with Alyssa right now. Right. And if we do that little piece of coaching, then what happens is I can assess right there and then how quickly is somebody able to take in a new point of view? Mm -hmm. How much are they willing to open up and express themselves? How much are they willing to explore different options? So I like to know that somebody has some malleability and is willing to, to your point, meet me, right, in terms of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I also, you know, personally, I look for um, a, good, a good fit, a good chemistry fit. Mm -hmm. I look for somebody also tends to be like smart and funny because that's how I experience myself. And that's how we have a, an enjoyable time together as we're doing the difficult work of, of building yourself, of self-development. Fascinating. My next question uh, on coaching, uh, Alyssa, is about the young people who are entering or have just entered the workforce, the millennials yeah. and the Gen Zs. And you know they've got a very, very different and positive outlook to life. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. How are organizations... Uh, adapting themselves to welcome these young people and what kind of coaching do they need? Hmm. Um, I think that organizations are mixed in terms of their right now, their movement on welcoming these new people. Hmm. But on the other side of that, I think the younger generation is very uh, powerful in their voice Correct. and very focused on uh, articulating what they need. And to your second question, I think that everybody needs someone who's going to meet them where they are. And I think that everybody needs to meet, need somebody who will kind of adapt to their style, because that's what I try to think about. I try to meet my clients where they are and adapt to their style. I think very often younger generation might need shorter bursts, just in time experiences and something which is more um, almost like little packaged in a way, little power moments as opposed to long sessions together. That's my experience. Very interesting. And do you, uh, 
do any work on team coaching or group coaching also? Yes, I definitely do that. So uh, what is the difference between an individual coach and a, and a team coach? Well, when I work with a CEO, we're talking about his or her kind of scope and scale inside of the business and their really their leadership style and their specific leadership behaviors. When I'm working with a team, I'm working inside of a system. There's dynamics in the system. There's give and take in the system. There's adaptation in the system. So as a coach, I want to step back and observe those dynamics. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to help the overall system improve, first understand, surface, and observe their own dynamics, and then improve all together. By the way, I can take that insight and feed it back into my leadership coaching with the CEO. Fascinating. So let's move to the next segment of our conversation, and let's talk startups. Okay. Before we get into startups uh, and uh, what startup entrepreneurs do, let's talk about your book first. Oh, good. So I'd love uh, show me the show me your book. Uh, you know, I'm sure our viewers and listeners would love to see it. And this yes. will be available on Amazon and other platforms. In, indeed, yes. October 26 it releases in the U.S. Wonderful. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this book and what was your motivation to write about the startup? Yes. So I will w- walk into a startup or other large companies regularly and I'll say things like, how do you think about what's your meeting methodology? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, what's a meeting methodology? Mm-hmm. Or I'll say to a startup CEO, how often do you meet with your leadership team? Mm-hmm. And she'll say, what's a leadership team? Or, you know, I sort of, we talk about hiring and delegation and it turns out like they didn't really think about those different issues when they hired that person. And so I always think like, I wish there were a book that I could hand you so that there would be, you could avoid preventable mistakes. And there wasn't that book. So I wrote that book because I really yearn and I have a drive to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I know that when people have more education and don't keep reinventing the wheel, they can focus on innovation and on the, the, the right structure of company building if they have a better baseline. So I wrote my book, From Startup to Grown Up, to give people a better baseline and set of tools. Fantastic. And you must have spoken to many, many startup entrepreneurs while you yes. were researching for your book. Uh, when did you start thinking of writing? I started write, I thought about the book years ago, you know, three, four years ago, actually. And I really kept like in my head thinking about it and I didn't quite know how to structure it. So I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And the reason I finally think, you know, for better and for worse, got catalyzed into writing it was we had a global pandemic yep. and it made me realize, oh boy, things are changing and I'm going to have more time now unstructured because I won't be traveling. And, and I just knew this is the time to take to write this book. Wonderful. Well, you know, I did something similar. I wrote my eighth book on failure during the pandemic. So, oh, wow. You know, that's what a great way to use the lockdown. Totally. But yeah. continuing with your book, uh, Alyssa, um, you must, when you were researching a lot of these entrepreneurs and talking to a lot of them, what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup entrepreneurs tend to make? Yeah. Um, first, I mean, so many. First of all, they think it's going to be this sort of little three to five year journey and they're just going to like, you know, turn it around. And that's not that way. It's like a much longer time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is entrepreneurs get into or founders get into the business and they're really focused on their product or their service. And they're not thinking about 
building the company, building the business. And so they get so focused, understandably so, on the thing they're trying to build. They don't think about the structure that they're trying to build. So that's what my book is really about. Also, how to help founders not just think about the product, but think about the bit from some like to, to, to transform from somebody who's thinking about the product to someone who's thinking about the business. And the last thing I would say is that they don't realize enough the impact of their actions early on. I was just talking to another founder the other day for my podcast, also called From Startup to Grown Up. And he said, I thought when our company got bigger, I'd have more time to think. I'd have more time to kind of figure it all out. And that's just not true. I should have taken the time in the early days if they could figure it out because now we have no time. Amazing. Amazing. Well said. So another question that is often asked of me is that while you are building a startup, should you do it solo or Mm. should you have a co-founder? Yeah, I think that's a great question and a a regular question to your point. The answer is, listen, it really depends. Mm -hmm. The benefit of a co-founder is that you have someone to you know, you can, you, you hopefully synergize or you can leverage each other's strengths and make up for each other's weaknesses. You have Mm -hmm. someone to commiserate with, and you have someone really to build with. There are two co-founders I work with who are totally aligned. Even when they fight, they're aligned and on the same page. It's a great reinforcement. Mm -hmm. But when you have a co-founder, you have a marriage Mm -hmm. and either it's a good marriage or a bad marriage. And people don't often don't think in advance about their values what they're trying to do, their vision for the business, how they handle conflict. And if you don't really identify those areas early and really figure out how you're going to work together, they come to bite you three years in, five years in, even six years in, when you realize you had a different vision for this company. So one thing to say is that if you're a solo founder, that's one problem you don't have. You have other problems, but that you don't have that problem with your co-founder. Well said. Uh, another question that a lot of startups uh, or startup founders face is at what stage should they start scaling up? Because mm. everyone seems to be saying, you know, I want to be pan the country that they're in or global. I want to be a unicorn and so on and so forth. I know. I say, but what's the hurry? Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I'd love to get your perspective. Yeah. You know, it's first of all, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of cultural pressure. I'll, you know, I'll say for in the U S about getting big fast. Mm. I think the VCs and the investors play into this a little bit by pushing people to do fast growth when maybe they're not ready. And when you say, what's the hurry, I think that that's really powerful because what's important in terms of when should I scale, you should scale when the market tells you to scale. And I think people really miss that point. They also, when, as soon as someone says to me, we have product market fit, I'm kind of like, no, you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't tell me. You would just have it, right? And then you're like, like a train, like laying the tracks ahead of you as you go down and you're like being pulled into the market. If you don't have that experience of being pulled into the market, it's not time to scale. It's time to continue aligning with your customers building systems and processes and tools, listening to the market and figuring out what's the sweet spot. And if you scale prematurely, bad things happen. Well said. So I have two more questions to startups and then yeah. I'll move to some other, another segment. Uh, the other one more challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs face is funding. Yeah. And uh, there is this big debate that how long should you bootstrap mm. uh, versus should I pick up money whenever I can get it? 
I'd love to get your perspective. That is a hard one. So much to say about this. Um, The thing is that bootstrapping in the early days is actually, I've talked to a number of founders recently on my podcast from Startup to Grown Up about that they're happy that they bootstrapped Mm -hmm. because they didn't then get hooked onto, you know, venture money. And also they didn't have the pressure of scaling. Mm -hmm. Now, the downside of that, of course, is they don't have the resources to scale quickly, even when the market is calling them. Mm -hmm. Also, I work with one company, which is a hardware business. You can't bootstrap a hardware business. It doesn't work that way. So you need to really think about, first of all, the mechanics of your own business. Mm -hmm. The notion of getting money while you can, I think is a double-edged sword. I understand you want to have a war chest. Certainly when the pandemic came, we all, everybody wanted to have a war chest and understandably so. Sometimes when you have too much money, it ruins your discipline and discipline is a very important factor for startup success. So I would say if you don't need the money, be very mindful and almost stingy with your company in terms of giving it away because you recognize that you want to have more drips of money, not like a flood of money. It's good for you. That's what I would say. That's that's great advice. So my last question to you on startups yeah. is based on all your research and your interaction with so many people and wearing your hat as a coach, mm-hmm. what are some of the important qualities a startup CEO or a startup founder needs to have? Ooh. I mean, first, second, and third, grit, 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 persistence, 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 right? Like mm-hmm. bad things happen, guys. Like I talked to a founder just the other day and I knew this, but she said to me, I knew that I had ups and downs, but I didn't realize they would be in five minute you know, increments. And another founder said to me, they sometimes happen at the same time. So you have to be ready for that journey and be able to manage your own psychology through the ups and downs really feel like find a way. So many companies were like three weeks out of almost out of money. And, you know, you have to keep going and finding the way to go around obstacles. And the second is, I would just say your success as a founder, as a CEO is really about your success, creating the right ecosystem around you to have people be able to do their best work. And that's your job as a CEO. Wonderful. So listen, I'm going to move to, uh, I have time for two or three more questions. Yeah. Uh, our viewers and listeners love to get to know my guest a little better. So I have a few questions that I say personal questions. Okay. Uh, my first question is that as you look back at life, mm-hmm. what would you say are three key milestones or pivot points in your life or your career? Yeah. My first pivot point in my life was... Uh, my life and my career was after I left business school, mm-hmm. I went to PwC, which is a great firm, yep. but I felt like this is not the right place for me. And I woke up and I thought, I hope I get the flu. So I don't have to go into work tomorrow. Like that is a dramatic pivot Correct. in my life. Yeah. And from there, I just realized, you know what, this is not for me. So I had to go seek out what is for me. So that was pivot. Number one, pivot point. Number one. Uh, the second was, soon after I met a coach Mm -hmm. and I was like, what is that? That is me. I want to do that. It was very, very clear to me. It was like violins played in my head. Mm -hmm. And the third pivot point I would say was moving to New York. 
and realizing that I could make it there because, you know, New York has this whole methodology around it, mythology around it to make it in New York, be successful in New York. At the same time, New York was really starting to build their startup scene and their startup infrastructure and ecosystem. And I wanted to be a part of that. So being a part of that helped me make my career and being in New York felt like a great fit for me in my life. Wonderful. My next question to you is that uh, as you look back at so many achievements and as you look ahead from where you stand today, what does success mean to Alyssa? I know. Well, I'm really at an inflection point now with my book coming out, um, launching my own podcast. Um, I Success for me always looks like making a difference, mm-hmm. always looks like making a difference for people mm-hmm. and being able to, I sort of think of my head about being a bright light, which mm-hmm. means to help inspire others and catalyze others and also to shine a light on the truth. All of those things are success to me. And also, I want to make sure that I'm able to continue to challenge myself and be interested in, and intellectually stimulated and emotionally stimulated. Uh, I want to have the right you know, partnership. I have a nice boyfriend in my life who's uh, a very important part of my life. And then I also want to have enough free time to pursue the things that are just inklings for me. So the combination of all that, which is, a, you know, it's like hard to always have that combination. That is a full life. That's a full picture of life to me. Fantastic. So I have time for two more questions. Yeah. The next question is to follow up from success. And that is who or what inspires you? Who or what inspires me? How long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to mention three people who have been impactful in my career Mm -hmm. and their generosity total is always a guiding light for me and inspires me. Marshall Goldsmith, whom I met 16 years ago, who totally changed my life by bringing me into his circle, training me as a coach, mentoring me for all this time. Mm -hmm. My friend, Dory Clark, who's amazing. Who's like, I've, I met her when she was 30. So I always call her my 30-year-old mentor, even though she's older now. Uh, she's younger than me. And she always had a sophistication in her head and has always helped me and pushed me forward. And I was just on the Tim Ferriss show. And it's already massively changed the impact I can have. And Tim Ferriss is somebody who has followed his own kind of North Star and Compass and explored various things and shed a light mm-hmm. and courageously showcase things which are not always like so mainstream Mm. so i want to talk about that those three people as inspirations for me and my real gratitude to them and then the last thing i want to say is that all startups inspire me because like that's crazy why would you start a business it's so hard and it's not going to work right so i'm always inspired by someone peering over my shoulder into a future that i can't see wonderful and my last question to you uh alisa and this is about a question on failure yeah. Part of the world that I come from, uh, yeah. parents don't teach children it's okay to yeah. fail. We're always told, go come first in class, go to the head of the line, and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns. Yeah. My question to you is that we all fail, we learn. Yeah. What have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes? Yeah, I know, so many mistakes. Um. I'm going to talk about meta and then micro, right? So meta, I have learned, as you said, that failure opens doors. And so I've trained myself to think 
huh, what have I learned versus, oh, I can't believe I screwed that up. So I definitely think a lot about that. And if I think about, you know, I'll talk about a a personal failure in my life is that earlier in my life, I got divorced. So first I got married quite young and then I got divorced and the failure there made me realize that I was responsible. You know, it was sort of like, oh, my parents liked him. They Mm -hmm. sort of picked him for me and it wasn't right for me. Mm -hmm. And I realized I'm the author of my life. I can't outsource my life to anybody, even my parents, even my parents. So it taught me a hard lesson around taking responsibility for your actions. Wonderful. Alyssa, on that note, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for talking to me about coaching. Thank you for talking to me about your book and all your amazing insights on startups. I wish your book lots of success. When you start promoting it, let me know, tag me. I've got a large social media following. I will support you in whatever way I can. Thank you. Good luck and thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Brand Called You.